Before we even start the show, we have got to answer a really important question. Okay. I got a message from Robin, who is the one that has come to the Long Lunch Club, but she's a longtime listener to the podcast. Yes, Robin. Hello. And she said that she bought a turnip. Yes. She messaged me. I bought a turnip. Right. Now, what do I do with it? <laughs> oh, with the mashed potatoes? Uh, yes. I'm going to get Joe, the guru, to Go give me the guru. information. Yes. <laughs> the turnip guru. The turnip guru is going to give us the actual full development of this. How do you do this? Okay. But what I told her was, you boil the turnips longer you than do. the potatoes. Okay. Here's how I make mashed potatoes. Step one, get a full head of garlic, cut off the tips, peel off some of that outside paper, wrap it in foil, put some of Aislinn's poultry seasoning salt right there on the newly cut heads. <laughs> I wish Wrap you could it up, see him. He's performing for oven. you with his hands. You're roasting garlic. In my house, I do that with two heads of garlic. And then when they're ready, I stick one of them in a bowl and I say, honey, here's a snack. And I eat it all. You eat the entire thing. The entire thing. And take a stick of butter and put it on your countertop. Let it get to room temperature. Mm -hmm. Boil two pots of water. Your diced potatoes which I've soaked in water until I'm ready to drain them and put them into the boiling water. Otherwise, they turn brown and ugly. Mm, the tricks Go into learned. one pot. But 10 minutes before you put those in, you put your diced peeled turnips into mm. the other boiling pot mm -hmm. because they cook at different speeds. Mm -hmm. Turnips take longer. Yep. And you don't want chunky turnips and perfect potatoes. Mm -hmm. You take your slotted spoon, grab a potato, stab it with a fork, and you just know. Mm -hmm. And then you boil it for five more minutes. And that's to make sure that the turnips don't end up in their like big lump still. You know, lumpy mashed potatoes, meh. But lumpy mashed potatoes where the lumps are actually turnips, that's even more meh. Sure. Yeah. But what I said on those potatoes was that when you think your potatoes are done, go five minutes more. Ooh. That's my trick. Mm-hmm. You can then drain the potatoes and the turnips together because they're about to go into your mix master together. Right. Put your room temperature stick of butter at the bottom of your mix master. Put your garlic, squeeze it all out like you're popping big pimples into the <laughs> bottom of the mix master. Then put your hot potatoes and turnips on top of it and let it kind of get melty. Then turn on the mix master. Salt, no pepper. And then cream or milk, splashing it to get the perfect consistency. It's that simple. So there you go, Robin. That's the guru's response to how to make turnip mashed potatoes. I said, I want to watch a movie. Mm -hmm. We settled on Pig. Yeah. The new Nicolas Cage movie. He's getting some Oscar buzz for it. It was very good. I liked it a lot. I liked it because it had to do with food and food being an essential, like, bliss point. Mm -hmm. I liked the story that carried it through. I liked the theme, of course, food. And I also like a lot of the philosophies. He actually specifically speaks about, like, very philosophical things in moments when of he speaking talks. to people. <laughs> yes. Like, he has a moment where he speaks to somebody. And when he does, it's like he gets up on a platform. He doesn't actually... But he gets up on a platform and he just gives them this whole thing and everyone's just sitting there watching. He holds their attention and uh -huh. speaks directly to... Their need. Yeah. What they need to hear. I read a review that said the whole film is about empathy being okay. a healing concept. Okay. I, I'd have to go back and watch it wouldn't, again. Wouldn't you recommend that film to folks that listen to this show? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Watch Pig. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was interesting, one of the things that came to my mind in it 
because he's a famous chef. Spoiler alert. No, no, I'm, it's fine. Not only is he a famous chef, but he lives like a homeless person. Mm-hmm. And that's not a spoiler because that's this plot of this, the movie or whatever. It's in the trailer? Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing that I like best about that, that dynamic, if you think about it, okay, he's a famous chef. He lives like a homeless person. I thought to myself, he has the privilege to live comfortably like a homeless person. Right, yeah. And someone throws it back to back at him at some point in the movie. Like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to just sneak off into the mountains and live like no one cares? And I thought, yeah, uh-huh. Exactly. There is a privilege to that, no doubt. And when you watch the movie, you'll understand why, like, there's a dynamic there of, like, privilege versus the very, like, because he's very homeless looking. He's very bum looking. Mm-hmm. Not just looking, but, like, he, he lives like that. <laughs> Welcome to Chicken Pot Pie in a movie. <laughs> that too was a spoiler alert. <laughs> we appreciate you being here like we do every single week. Actually, the podcast is called Dinner Table Talks. Welcome. Welcome to the dinner table. Another spoiler alert is that we didn't actually cook our chicken. Oh, no, 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 no. Those are our friends. <laughs> Instead, the ones we name are the ones we're going to talk about today. Several weeks ago, we said we want you to help us name some of the new chickens. Yes. And like oftentimes happens with us, we have these great ideas. Yes. And then they kind of just fall off the priority list. <laughs> we posted a picture of a chicken and asked you to give us potential names. Yes. So we've got those names now and we're going to put up a poll. So when you hear this the week of, uh-huh. go to our Facebook page, pinned at the top, Dinner Table Talks, you will find a poll. Mm-hmm. Beautiful black chicken. These are the top names that you guys gave us. Anka. Mm-hmm. Mabel. Mm-hmm. Venus. Mm-hmm. Pinot Noir, mm. Miss Clucky, mm-hmm. Edith Piaf. Who's Edith Piaf? I looked it up a couple weeks ago <laughs> and now I've forgotten. She was a French singer? Huh. Well, that's a fun list. So yeah, definitely let us know what you guys think. And we're just getting started with it. We have yeah. several chickens to name. We have a lot of chickens to name. Let's At start some point with we're going to the... take pictures of them. There you go. <laughs> 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 You're twirling your mustache. <laughs> I'm having so much fun with you living out here. Yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot too. The things that you're going to be doing out here, they've kicked off, they're rolling. I've got a lot of thoughts about that. And I think that I'm doing a lot of thinking about that. And you think you're doing a lot of thinking? I'm doing a lot of thinking while I'm thinking. <laughs> Most importantly, I'm coming up with different ways to really think about how I want to best utilize my time. Like one of the things with the chickens laying as many eggs as they're laying, right? we've got, you know, quite a few eggs coming in now. So I would like to do something where I just put a sign out on the road that just says eggs for sale Uh huh. because then it would be like, well, people that want to stop to get eggs would, if I had other things to sell, I'd say, oh yeah, by the way, I also have a bunch of cabbages and anything you need here. You need any of this stuff here? You know, I got my excess produce. 
But on the other turn, the way that I mostly am enjoying using a lot of the excess produce is, well, number one, these larders that I'm doing with a few families mm-hmm. and a couple of local restaurants. Are they responding pretty well? Yes. And of course, the freeze caused me to be set back a couple of weeks. Sure. So they haven't received stuff in a couple of weeks. And so January, I just didn't have enough. So in February or March, you're just going to get like a lot of stuff. It's going to be like so much good produce and for I everybody. I can only imagine like the folks that have gotten into this agreement with you. Yeah. Understand that you're not a grocery store where it's just a faceless wall of produce or goods. Oh, they have to. Uh, it was an investment from the very beginning. I asked communi- for it like that. I asked for it to be an investment and to understand that I'm growing in a sustainable manner and mm-hmm. it's going to take time to get there. And it also means that I'm not going to same have the same produce available that you would naturally expect just because somebody went in and planted a brand new garden. What I'm doing is creating regenerative farming, and that means it's going to grow what it grows. And what's happening with my seasons may be different than what happened with my seasons last year. And that's been a lot of fun. But that other thing, aside from doing those larder boxes that gets things out the door, is my long lunch club, which is happening monthly. And I'm having it again this time on January the 26th. It's just a lunch where we eat what's seasonally available. And for me, what's seasonally available is what's actually growing outside, not what is in the commercial seasonally available. Sitting on a truck. Right. No. This is what's actually seasonally coming out of my garden. And right now, it's about to be a ridiculous amount of sweet potatoes, like I said last week. And then I'm just going to start to see carrots, a lot more lettuce. I have planted so many things just faster and faster every day now because of the timing of the year that it is. Well, on a day like today, I mean, it is gorgeous outside. So I'm eager to see some folks for the Long Lunch Club on January the 26th. If you're interested in getting tickets, just send me a DM. Yeah, that'll sell out. It always does. One year ago today. Time Time warp. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Oh, I never here? get used to that time machine. <laughs> one year ago this week. What are we, we doing here? <laughs> one... I'm on a whole time warp, like time doesn't matter. Time matters only to a certain point part of my existence at this point. So. Well, does it feel like a year ago this week? Episode 2.20. The episode was called Cabbage Roll Soup. Best leftovers ever. The years are going by very, very, very fast. Really, they are. Does it feel like that? You asked me today whether or not I had cabbages coming out of the garden. And I think what you're seeing this year is that there is a shift in what I have available. Without a doubt. I listened to the episode from one year ago this week. Mm Mm-hmm. And I hear you say, I've got so much cabbage coming out of the garden that we made cabbage roll soup. Right. But back to your point, I just assume that the seasonality of your growing means that I could make cabbage roll soup tonight because you're pulling out cabbages this time a year later. First of all, we moved this fall. Mm -hmm. So that throws a whole different shift into everything, no matter what. Well, the established garden at the old house no longer exists. Exactly. Or doesn't exist in our world. Exactly. And all of the gardens that I was doing out here are all new gardens. And people that watched me garden at the other backyard garden would see or would have seen like new gardens development and how they develop differently and just kind of a different way about it. But because I'm more actively than ever before, because I have, I'm on the land to do it now, Mm -hmm. creating this complete and total movement towards regenerative farming, 
I'm now actually seeing the steps toward regeneration. And what that will create is the steps towards sustainability. It's going to take a different path than what was seasonally available in the past. Because in the past, what was seasonally available was very timed on, okay, this is exactly what we're expecting to happen. It's a small scale garden. I've planted in, you know, a couple of six packs of broccoli. I know that we're going to have at least a couple of years of broccoli. I mean, it just, everything Mm -hmm. about it changes. In addition to that, I'm also doing these long lunch clubs and doing these larders and doing these special events. Well, yeah, that's another thing. A lot of the produce more so than a year ago is going out the door and not coming into our kitchen. Right. I think that's fun because there is that seasonality available to it. But then the other thing, and this is interesting because one of our friends, Monica, who's been listening since the very beginning said in the beginning, she was curious to see what happens at the dinner table. But at that point we still had all of our kids at home at the dinner table when when we we started started. this. You're right. Exactly. So what you're going to see as you've seen, as you've been listening is life death, moves, all of the things that occur, life, the things you talk about at the dinner table. Yeah. And if there's other types of massive shifting, like a different movement towards a different type of agriculture, you're going to see in our world, not just the seasonality of it, but how certain things affect things in a different way and just move things around. We loved that cabbage roll soup a Mm. year ago. And the research I did last year about cabbage rolls are that they are a global regional specific dish Mm -hmm. and how we could take that basic cabbage roll recipe, change the spice profiles and say, this time we're having a more Jewish authentic cabbage roll, or we're going to have a Hungarian, whatever. Uh Yeah. So the next time that a cabbage comes out of the garden, I'd like to reserve it for a cabbage roll soup revisit. I'm actually eagerly planting still a lot of young cabbages. Mm. The freeze changed things last year because... I had to harvest a bunch of things really fast last year. This year, a harder freeze came a little earlier. So now I'm going ahead and planting heavily again for the early spring. But one of my restaurant larders, she specifically asked for cabbage. So I'm for like, cabbage rolls, right? I'm, yes. Wow. I'm trying to plant cabbages. For her. To get, yes, exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah. The occasion arose for me to be home way early yesterday. Yeah. And I wanted to put some time and effort into a meal. You were in the garden when I got home. So I met you out there. And the question, of course, is what produce from your garden can we put into it? Mm-hmm. And then you asked, how do you feel about making chicken pot pie? And I thought to myself, well, okay, let's see. Of course, Aislinn's going to ask for the one that has like seven elements to it. The pastry element, the, the filling element, the baking at the end. Well, I'm always this time of year trying to think about how to use Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cabbage, carrots broccoli, all of the same types of things. Mm -hmm. What are the 12 different ways we can make these exact same like winter vegetables? That was what came to my mind. That and also my daughter heading off to college, like wanting to cook some of her favorite things. Oh yeah. You know. She's a big fan. Yeah. But that crust on the chicken pot pie in our home is going to be a gluten free. Mm -hmm. I guess like about an hour and 15 minutes later I was done and all I needed to do was wait until dinner time, assemble and bake it. Mm Mm-hmm. That crust, as I said, is going to start with a gluten-free flour blend. Mm-hmm. And I'm not happy with the one that I just thankfully used up the rest of the bag. I'm going to buy something different. I don't like that one. Gotcha. In fact, I just 
certainly have a bit of an insecurity about the baking portion of the gluten-free stuff. I'm just not there yet. Those gluten-free pizza crusts that we did, the best one was mozzarella cheese and egg whites. I thought the crust tastes great. Yeah, I'm hard on myself. So I take the gluten-free flour blend, salt, xanthan gum, and then you cut in refrigerated butter, big chunks of butter, and use your fingers to mash it together Mm -hmm. so that the butter's melting a little bit as you go. Then you cut in milk and you knead it. Mm -hmm. I made the little rounds, right, for the small little containers I was going to use for individual servings. Then you move over to the filling. Chicken pot pie is what, peas and carrots, when you get it at the restaurant? This was, rather, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, and a few pieces of your okra. But I did want to put carrots in it, because that's always fun for a chicken pot pie. Found you back out in the garden and Mm -hmm. said, honey, I I need to talk to the produce manager here. I'm going to need some fresh carrots, please. You literally walk around the garden, pulled four nice carrots out of the ground, hand them to me, go inside, wash them, cut them. They go in there as well. And it was amazing and delicious, and I ate every bite of it and was very thankful for it. Chicken and all of the vegetables into water, covered, and boiled for 15 minutes. Drain that, set it aside, put your onions and butter into the same pot, stir in some more gluten-free flour mix, salt and pepper, then slowly stir in chicken broth from the freezer Mm -hmm. and some more milk. Simmer that until it's thick, add your vegetables and chicken. I didn't go like a sandwich of dough where there's a dough on the bottom and a dough on the top. I just Mm -hmm. poured the mixture directly into the little Mm -hmm. container, put the circles on top, cut them, made them pretty, vent them, you know, with a knife so that they can bubble through and get a nice little top. Stick them in the oven, 425, about 30 minutes. One of the things I liked about that type of crust that you made was, you know how when you go to break chicken pot pie, it kind of breaks a huge piece of crust off into it? Sure, yes. Some people may like that. I understand but what I you actually kind of liked the way this kind of broke down a little bit in smaller bites, so it was a little bit crumblier. It just ate so easily. Yeah. It was really nice, and I enjoyed it very much. I was pleased with the filling. My baking with that gluten-free needs a little work, I think. This comes out on Monday. So yesterday, uh-huh. you had your third in a four-week series yes. here out of the farm yesterday. called Garden Healing. Yes. How are those going? One of the things that a lot of people have heard me talk about, especially over the years of me running Grow Local South Texas, is that I do everything from a bit of a hands-in-the-dirt learning place. The best place for me to learn and the best way for me to teach is for me to do it with my hands in the dirt. Now, oftentimes, that is literally hands in the dirt because I'm a gardener. That's become more of a kind of a statement for life or a philosophical statement for life, hands in the dirt learning. You know, in the grow local world, I created a network. I built something from the ground up. And this is building something from the ground up in kind of the same, it kind of feels like in the same way. It's got this vibration in the center of it that is like growing something. Mm -hmm. It's something bigger than let me teach you how to garden because there's nothing sustainable in that. Mm -hmm. Or let me garden for you. There's nothing sustainable in that. And when the reason I bring out the Grow Local part of it is because I've done this before. And with Grow Local, the beginning core of Grow Local was, and it was a hands-in-the-dirt learning. And I said that from the beginning of that as well. I said, this is going to be a hands-in-the-dirt learning. 
I've never started a nonprofit before. I've never started a massive community garden before. I've never started a farmer's market before. I've, you know, like all of these things, mm -hmm. except that. Nor really had anyone else in town to the exactly. level you were doing it where there was a model locally to look at. Right. So I was teaching a community Learning about as we something. Go, yeah. Yes. So you have to change the words. You mm -hmm. have to change the models. And the thing about Grow Local is that as Grow Local got more developed, once it had a core, once that was working, I didn't really fit there anymore as well. Because what I am is I birth things. Mm -hmm. I birth yeah. things. And these things are, because I'm an outlier, they're outside, which means if they're going to be something that's going to be a core part of a community, I have to find the community that has an interest in. I have to move inside the community. And then I have to, I have to create the cultural conversation that helps to create the network and then I have to figure out how to leave the seed that I've planted behind once it's begun to grow. Trusting and that with, someone else exactly. will nurture it. And with Grow Local, what I said from the very beginning that was so hard for people to understand is I'm just simply teaching adults how to eat vegetables. And everyone would say, well, we got to teach the children. And I'd be like, but we've got to teach the adults first. First, we have to teach the adults. And then once we teach the adults, then we can teach the children. And that's kind of the same way I still feel about it, but now it's a little bit deeper. Like I stepped away from Grow Local because Grow Local had enough adults around it to do what Grow Local was intended really to do from the very beginning, which is like to teach kids, to teach community members, to teach gardening and to host a farmer's market and to have this like nonprofit community-based publicly funded project going on, right? Okay. Now I've got the same type of thing occurring out here with the things that I'm teaching on the farm. This regenerative action, this regenerative farming, it's not just for the land healing. It's actually for mind, body, and spirit healing as well. And I think that that's what I'm trying to get people to understand is that if you're willing to go to the earth and go to the garden and go to some of the natural aspects of existence of life, then there's no way that you can't see love and light and wellness and abundance and all of these things that people are seeking, really. Mm -hmm. Like the pain inside of us is because we're seeking the freedom from fear of isolation, lack, and deprivation. That's what we're all moving towards trying to figure out, freedom from this fear. Even if we don't call it fear, even if we call it something else, that's what we're all trying to do. I gave someone kind of a, this is what the garden healing course is okay. the other day, just yeah. like elevator speech or whatever. Mm -hmm. I said, it's a little bit of gardening, a little bit of nature, a little bit of guided thought provoking philosophy yeah, and a lot of support and conversations. Okay. So when I say that, I mean, you've got a group of people that are coming together in a safe space and saying to one another, you're safe to share together. And in this space, we're going to go outside in the garden and we're going to do a little bit of weeding and we're going to plant some onions and we're going to just talk while we're there. We're going to go on a long walk in the pasture. We're going to sit down around the dining room table and have some food and fellowship. We're going to sit outside by the fire. Who knows? We're going to do some yoga. There's all kinds of things that are being stirred up with this group. I expect that. It's going to go on. Well, first of all, it's going to go on for another week. And then the initial four-week series will be over with. And then I'm going to go on a vacation. You and I are going to go on a vacation. Right. And then what I think that I'm going to do is I'm going to invite those ladies that started the first one to come back for a couple more weeks 
And then I'm going to kick it off again with a new four week series. And in that four week series, I'm going to invite new people to be involved. So I'll put it back out to the public for purchase a spot to be involved in it. Mm-hmm. And I'll bring the ladies that have been with me over into it to be a support system, to be a part of carrying this over. And then we'll see what happens at the end of that period of time and how this group evolves and what it actually turns into and what kinds of healing can actually occur in someone's life. Any, anyone that's paid any bit of attention to some of your message over any period of time understands your my garden is my sanctuary concept. Mm-hmm. So I guess you're just sharing it. And as this group, you say it's all women, right? It has turned into an all women's group. And I think it probably will stick there for a while. It's certainly in the first few series. Okay. So as they begin to hear you talk about it, and then you all begin to discuss it, that you have left a lot of room for evolution. Yes, absolutely. You didn't begin with the end in mind, because if you were trying to paint a picture of what garden healing looks like, it never would have worked anyway, because garden healing is not something you put into a bag and hand to somebody. But neither was Grow Local South Texas. Okay. Fact, and and and, right. and the challenging part about that is that you're right. it's hard to explain to somebody, but how do you then quantify this in a way that we can actually give you money from a publicly funded exactly. type of thing? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Oh, so y'all are a farmer's market? Well, yes, but, but, but also, no. And then, oh, then oh, what is it? A community garden? Well, yes. yes but uh, also, uh, yeah. well, what the hell do you want me to pay for here? Yes. We're changing our city with food. That's correct. Well, that's difficult to fund. And now I've discovered that it's bigger than that. The wellness side is bigger than the food. The wellness side is bigger than the network. The wellness side is bigger than food security. It's a community of people that are lifting each other up so that then when we go out into the community, into our own respective places, we can lift other people up. We can be the light that people are looking for. Mm -hmm. And some of that is just delicious food, like at a long lunch club. And some of that is just a really nice walk through beautiful gardens or beautiful landscape. So folks come to the long lunch club Mm -hmm. or the farm to table dinner and they get a four or five course meal. Yes. Amazing food. Yes. Delightful, hilarious, probably conversation. Uh Uh-huh. But they leave and they go, something's going on out there. Yeah. It's very joy filled out there. Joy filled, but also philosophical. Definitely. <laughs> we're talking about nothing around the table here as we enjoy this great food, but we're talking about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this dichotomy. Mm-hmm. If I want a deeper dive into the philosophies about it, mm-hmm. garden healing. Exactly. That's great. I'm starting to see some really, really, really much bigger life-giving opportunities available than I could have ever initially imagined a year ago when we were talking about having chefs out to a judging competition, you know, Mm -hmm. yes, those are really cool things. But I think in some ways what I've figured out has happened is, is that kind of like in the grow local days, I need to build a community. The bigger part of that is this inspired wellness to inspire lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I can give you pieces of inspiration that make you feel good Mm -hmm. that are about delicious tasting food and a fun time, then like you said, you might go in a little bit deeper and go, okay, well, what else is going on out here? And what is this other group that she's got going on? I can tell you, I've already had that occur. I've already had people go from 
buying vegetables to sitting at the table, having a deep diving conversation about whatever you might even imagine that, that a group of women who just need to get things off their chest in a safe space could talk about. There's a rabbit hole out here. Feel free to come fall down it with me. Yes, a hundred percent. So the night before the chicken pot pie, mm-hmm. I did taco night. And a few nights before that, I did a big hibachi steak, vegetable fried rice night. I do not feel like cooking. Okay. I love those things though. And I think that they're an important like point in the conversation and mm-hmm. the seasonality of it. Because whether you're buying it from me or getting it out of my kitchen or getting it from the farmer's market, or even for that matter, getting it at the grocery store where it's just priced a little differently, the things that are going to be available, primarily available, are going to be the Brussels sprouts, the cabbage, the carrots, just like when we made the chicken pot pie. So those are the things we use in your amazing fried rice that you make. So that's something that people can definitely consider making. You've done several episodes about fried rice. And then taco night is something that's going to happen at every dinner table. But I think that it's a great opportunity for you to really quickly give us a recap to encourage people to use these types of things at their dinner tables too. Real quick? Really quick. Real quick. The tacos that I do quickly dice up a good amount, a fistful of, you know, tomatoes, onions, your onions, cilantro, your cilantro, your peppers. I think I did poblano and then one of those bananas this time. Mm-hmm. Farmer's market stuff. Yep. Oil in the pan, put those in. I'm getting those kind of, you know, translucent. Throw in my ground beef. And then over here, I've got my Camino cumin chili powder. I used two types. I have ancho and then typical bright chili powder. Paprika, garlic powder, onion powder. I don't know. I just start pulling some cardamom. I just start pulling stuff Mm -hmm. out. So it's not like it's super complicated. No, I do taco night because it's easy. Yeah. And while my meat's going, I'm going over there and I'm dicing up my avocado and I'm dicing up my lettuce. I'm dicing up some more tomato and onions and grating some cheese. Got to grate it. Don't get that shredded cheese bag. (laughs) You're going to go soft. You're going to go crispy. Get the proper tortillas. And yeah, it couldn't be easier. But what I'm not doing, and this is what I did whenever we first got together. This is what you taught me. It was going to be our very first taco night. And I said, oh, I'll take care of them tacos. Okay, how do you do it? And I said, I'm going to get the old El Paso. You know what? Stop. No. <laughs> and you taught me well, how to do it this way. You're going to comp- infuse it all with those vegetables. There's your flavor. Yeah. And if you're going to use the dry spices and you do, just do it yourself. Don't buy one of those little packages that you get at the grocery store. Because if you look at the back of them, there's stuff in there that you don't want to eat. I just had this conversation. Somebody texted me the other day about finding another thing, basically, that's making their stomach sick or making them sick. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the gluten-free stuff, we've talked about it. And I have the issues that I deal with. And my thing is... If you want to talk to somebody who's dealt with like many kinds of health problems that you could deal with and like different ways I've dealt with them from the holistic way to the not holistic way to the eating to the not eating, all the things, all the things, just ask me because I probably have the experience. But the truth of the matter is my answer to her was it doesn't matter what people are eating. The reason we choose to buy organic stuff and the reason we choose to cook it the way that you cook it, mm-hmm. the way that you're cooking it and breaking it down into each Rather level. Rather than getting the shortcut packets from the grocery the store. The only reason why is because we have more control over the ingredients when we do that. And for some of us, we have decided that we are going to control the ingredients to go in our body because we don't like being sick all the time. I know, and this is the thing I told her, I know that the people out there in the community 
that are not sick. They don't have cancer. They don't have diabetes. They're not well. They've also can't go have lunch with their friends and make it back to their office before they have to stop at a gas station to go diarrhea mm-hmm. because something they ate at lunch upset their stomachs. I would and that's be just doing, the way that it is. Or, oh, that's greasy. I got, I got, mm-hmm. I ate a little too much. I got to take my Pepto Bismol, whatever. Okay, that's fine. But I choose not to do that. I choose not to have heartburn all the time. I choose not to have an upset stomach all the time. The thing is, is that once you start extracting things from your diet so that you begin to understand what your body is having the worst problems from, once you begin extracting those things, right? your body has something to say about it and you are a listener of your body. And so now you go, okay, well, okay, now what? Now what I need to figure out about this? So don't go down the rabbit hole unless you're ready to get well. And it tastes better. Oh God. That's the easy part. That's an important part. That's the easy part. Fried rice, even quicker. If you know you're going to do fried rice, first of all, Google Benihana style fried rice, hibachi That's style fried rice. That's how you get the rice. recipe. Here are the secret ingredients. Not in a fancy wok. Listen, you're going to slow me down with these kinds of conversations. <laughs> the correct tools are critical. Mm-hmm. The deep dish traditional wok is what I use for my fried rice. Mm-hmm. It's a prep dish because you've got to make a garlic butter when you're doing it ideally room temperature butter, a crap load of minced garlic mixed together, put it back in the fridge. Mm -hmm. You also have to make your rice and then refrigerate it again. When you go to the hibachi place, they're bringing out a cold dish of rice. They're not starting, they're not starting with steaming hot rice. Right. So there's a little bit of prep involved. Then of course, chopping up all your vegetables and you really kind of want to dice them all the same size so that everything's cooking in the same speed. So this type of meal, you actually could pre-prep everything and then come back the next night and cook the things you pre-prepped That's what the they do before. at the hibachi place. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So now you're even making it a little more convenient for someone. You good, wanted, good. I like it. I like it. You wanted a steak component to this one. Right. So I... Because I'm a Benihana mm. hibachi steak. I found a recipe <laughs> online. I like to use it. You're marinating your steak for a couple of hours, at least one hour, in soy sauce, Chinese cooking wine, a little bit of sugar, garlic, ginger, sesame oil. Could you prep that the night before yes, of too? Yes, of course. Yes. Okay, okay. Pull mm-hmm. it all out. Mm-hmm hot oil high you keep it on high the entire time get your vegetables done in the order they need to go then throw your rice in with that big blob of garlic butter mm-hmm. and when that gets going and it actually starts charring like they do at the restaurant soy sauce a little bit of fish sauce something i learned about here on dinner table talks was fish sauce uh-huh. now i'm putting splashes of fish sauce in my fried rice every single time i make it uh-huh. and then guess what the best part of making it is you taste it. Uh-huh. Oh, it's not quite right. Needs a little more of this. Needs a little more of that. I didn't mention sesame seeds. I like to add sesame seeds twice. Once kind of in the middle and then once at the end on top for presentation. And if you've got a lovely flock of chickens and you've always got plenty of eggs to put in your fried rice. Yes, of course. There's scrambled eggs and fried rice. I make those at the yeah. beginning, set those aside. Then I throw them back in and, you know, kind of near the end. There's been a lot of those conversations lately about like, well, what can we do with the eggs? Because we've got a lot of... we're. We're in egg season right now. (laughs) That's what we're in. Uh, Okay, I'm done. (laughs) I don't want to cook tonight. 
Okay, because you did all that cooking. I'm three, going, three meals in one episode. I'm going back. Is that a record? I'm going back. I'm about to talk about the fourth. I'm about to go back into town to pick up my daughter from play practice. I'd love to pick up some food. Anything okay. that you want. You said your daughter's going to be here tonight? I think so. Throw I'm not that sure. into the decision uh-huh. tree. Uh-huh. Let's talk about like the places that I would go if I didn't consult with you, right? It's going to okay. be our favorite Indian place, uh-huh. our favorite Thai place, uh-huh. pizza with a place I can get a gluten-free option for you. Uh-huh. I know that if we hadn't had this conversation and uh-huh. I showed up tonight with one of those three things, almost every single person would be a very happy camper. Yes. What do you want to do for dinner tonight? Anything you want. Remember the last time I brought home food for everybody was that sushi, and yeah, it was, it was a huge fail. I feel I feel like you need a redo on that one. Oh, you want some sushi tonight from a different spot? Sushi. Do I want sushi? I'm thinking poke bowls. Poke bowls yeah. are fun. But then we had such a nice like salad nacho lunch today that now I'm thinking nacho well, lunch. It was my lunch. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <sighs> That all that good lettuce and tomatoes and everything we ate at lunchtime. I was thinking we could actually eat Indian food because we ate some greens already today. Indian food is what I was going to pick up if we didn't have this conversation. It's you know, it's my go-to. Do you know what's fun about Indian food is that in India they don't do use wheat to make all of their bread type things. Sure, they don't fry with wheat. They use lentils and mm-hmm. they use all different kinds of other things to right. make bread. And to make things crunchy. So I don't worry about what I'm eating when I eat at an Indian food restaurant. If I skip the naan, I'm good. Right. So I think we should go with the Indian food. I want you to get the... Sog paneer. Yes, always. Always, always, always. They have great sog paneer. It's very Americanized sog paneer, but it's the kind I like. So get that one. And then I also like... I don't really care about anything else is good. Any of the vegetarian dishes I like... And then I definitely want you to get the spinach pakoras. I love those. Those are my favorite. And what so. do they use instead of wheat? They use lentils for that. So it's a fried uh-huh. spinach pakora, but you can eat it because it's not a wheat style grain breading. Yeah. Okay. Because there was the year of the grain free, which that got us like thinking about, well, cauliflower and other things that are used for grain. And then as I entered the next year, it became gluten free, not grain free. And gluten free has gotten, that one's serious. Like, you know, grain-free, I was like, oh, if I have an accident, it's not going to kill me. But then I started eating wheat, and I was like, oh, if I have an accident, I'm going to have an accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, You're the one in the gas station between lunch and uh, home. Yes. The reason why I always name that as an example is because I've been that person many times. I do not want to ever be that person anymore. I hate gas station bathrooms. They're the most disgusting thing that ever existed. Anyways, side note, I noticed over this year of the gluten-free thing that other cultures use all kinds of things besides wheat. And it was funny because it made me think about someone saying, just making a comment about how gluten-free isn't bread, fight me. Because that's the thing when people like to say on Facebook now, I have a statement. If you don't like it, fight me. Like that's the new thing we say now. And I'm like, okay. I'm going to A, disagree with you. (laughs) B, not fight with you. But it made me think, I'm like, um, actually, there's all kinds of bread made in the world that is bread, called bread, called unleavened bread, called all kinds of things Mm -hmm. that didn't have any gluten or wheat at all in them. Anyways, that's a whole nother side note. I have a few of those from time to time, don't I? Well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe, why don't you kick over a question that we can deep dive into? I have been wondering this. What is one item on your bucket list? On my bucket list? Yes. 
What's an item on my bucket list? Yes. I feel like my parents are doing like a lot of bucket list things because my dad will say, like make little comments like, I'm going to go do such and such, you know? So I see that sure. happening and then they bought these electric bicycles that they're so excited about. I saw my dad riding an electric bicycle the other day with his helmet on and he did his little ring ring on his belt. And I was like, <laughs> I'm so happy for well, him. You're going to attach those electric bicycles on a mount to the back of their camper. Yep. And take the RV. And go do some bucket list things. And then get on their electric bikes if they got to run to the store or go uh-huh. tour around or whatever. Uh-huh. That's on my bucket list. What's your answer? No, what's your bucket list? I have an RV and two electric bikes on the back. That's a good bucket list item. I know. For me, it is specific places of travel. I will pick one, one that I want to go to before it's all said and done with. I don't think this is hard to attain. Maybe this can be the next thing we plan after we get back from Hot Springs, our next big one, mm-hmm. the Northwest. The Northwest. The so Northwest, like, your Oregon, your Washington. I haven't been there ever in my either. life. One of our favorite vacations we ever took was flying into San Diego, renting yep. a convertible and driving to San yep. Francisco. Maybe we fly into San Francisco and continue on north to the top of the country. What's one of yours? Lily and I just booked the first stage of her graduation trip, which is to Kauai in August, by the way. Wow. Fantastic. So I'm getting to go back to Kauai. That's great. I, I hear that if you spill your coconut stout Maui coconut stout beer on yeah. a beach in Kauai, oh. you'll get to come back someday. Did you do that? I did. You spilled it? <laughs> I did. So I probably won't spill it again, though, because I don't drink coconut stout beers anymore. Right. But I'm really excited to get to go back bucket list. God, I don't know. This is a really hard one for me because I've always said Bali that I had to go to Bali. Like that's a, I have you to have go to said Bali. That as long as I've known you that Bali is a place you'd like to go. Does it have to be a travel item? Well, one of the things that's on my bucket list that I am going to do in Kauai, as it appears, if we can, you know, make it work with the budget and all those types of things is skydiving. Oh, really? I, I was going to skydive before I die. That yeah. that was my plan. And my daughter is adamant. She has this plan to skydive. It's the most important part of going to Kauai. She's going to Kauai and she's going to skydive while she's in Kauai too. And I can't imagine another person on the planet I'd rather skydive with than Lillian Claire Campbell. I mean, seriously, that's... That kid, that's the one I would skydive with. <laughs> so, I'm super excited for the two of you. That's fantastic. I think it's a bucket list thing because I never wanted to be afraid to do it. But at the same time, I was always like, oh, I'm going to get to it someday. Someday when I'm real close to death anyways, I'm going to go ahead and get to it at that point. So like, late like, August, early September, we're going to have a first skydiving trip story here at the dinner table? I mean, yeah, it should be that. Stay tuned. We don't like being sick all the time. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.